Hello, and welcome back to the CDI podcast. I'm Dylan Edgel, Assistant Director for the Center for Community and Economic Development and the Community Development Institute at the University of Central Arkansas. Today, we're joined by Zachary Mannheimer. In 2020, Zachary, along with his partners, created Atlas Community Studios, a placemaking and economic development group working in 25 plus states around the country. Zach also founded Alquist 3D at the same time in order to solve the rural housing crisis. Alquist 3D is printing affordable housing across the nation, uh, starting with the first owner-occupied 3D home in the world in Virginia. He's doing a lot of interesting work in the community and economic development field, and we're really happy to have him on the podcast today. Zachary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Uh, well, to start us off, can you talk a little bit about your career and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, my I had a kind of roundabout role. Uh, my background's in theater, so it makes total sense that I now run a construction company. Uh, but the goal has always been the same. The goal has been about creating community. Uh, and at first, for many years after college, I did that in, in New York and London doing theater uh, to try to create community. And that was a lot of a lot of work, a lot of great fun work. But I kind of looked around myself in Brooklyn and found it to be quite homogenous. I wasn't seeing a lot of uh, differences ideologically, and I wanted to connect with people who felt differently than I did so that I could actually understand who they are and why they think the way they do. Uh, so I knew I needed to leave New York. Uh, in 2007, I did a road trip to 22 cities around the country. Uh, I chose to move to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, and I didn't know anybody in the state at the time, and now I've got a wonderful wife and three kids, and that's what happens when you move to the Midwest. Uh, I've been here for quite some time. Uh, the first thing I did when I got here was started a nonprofit called the Des Moines Social Club, which was an arts and educational cultural institution in downtown Des Moines. We took over an art deco firehouse from the city, uh, historically preserved it, raised a bunch of money to uh, put it on the national registry, and we started doing events. Uh, we did thousands of arts-related events in every single artistic medium. And we started getting calls from smaller communities, mostly in the Midwest, saying, hey, we've got old buildings sitting on our main street that are eyesores, and can you come here and help us turn that into something that could be an economic development vehicle? And so we started doing that. We formed uh, Atlas Community Studios. It's been around for, in, for about eight years in various forms. Uh, to do that, and we started doing fun things like cultural centers and coffee shops and art galleries and maker spaces, restaurants, breweries. But quickly folks said, hey, this is great, but we have major childcare concerns. And our hospital closed 20 years ago and our infrastructure is crumbling and our public schools don't have the money they need. And oh, by the way, our broadband doesn't work and we don't have any housing. And so we started adding folks to the team who had expertise in those types of roles and started building that out. And we've been doing that work for a long time in over 20 states around the country. Uh, but the number one need, regardless of where we go, whether it's rural Mississippi or rural North Dakota, is housing and affordable housing and all levels of housing. And so about six years ago, I discovered 3D printing, got obsessed with it, learned everything I could about it. Uh, that translated into a partnership with Virginia Tech University and Virginia Housing, where we got a grant to start printing the first home in Virginia, uh, which we did last year. And then we completed the second one, which is the Habitat home that has the family living in it, which is fantastic. And now we are getting tons of requests and trying to go larger around the country. Uh, the mission of the organization is to solve the housing crisis here in America. And uh, but the at its base, the goal is always to create community. And it's kind of hard to have community if you don't have a place to live. That's awesome. That, that's all, already speaking to, uh, I guess, my next question. 
uh, with Atlas Community Studios. You know, you guys have a wide range of services. Uh, just a few are workforce development, public art and wayfinding, housing strategy. Uh, and I'd love to hear more about the benefits of taking this more holistic approach to community and economic development uh, that you guys uh, do in your organization. So planning has always been around, obviously, for decades. That's what communities do. They have to write a comprehensive plan every couple of years in order to get state and federal grants to fix their roads, et cetera. So that's nothing new. The major difference that we wanted to, that the group at Atlas tried to push into this is that most of these comprehensive plans, they're great. They're full of great ideas. And often they are ground up. They do interview folks on the ground, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean their ideas are, are heard or executed on. And that's really the case here is that the comprehensive plans have good ideas, but they lack showing communities how to actually execute and implement the ideas. And of course, all of those ideas cost money. And where does the money come from? How do you find those resources? So Atlas decided to take the approach of being holistic here, where we start very gra grassroots. We start interviewing people at a local level, and we tend to work in very small communities, average size, about 3,000 people. And we interview hundreds, if not thousands of folks, depending on the scale of the project. And then we start writing plans to implement the ideas that they have in place. So if they want to create a new workforce development center in their downtown, okay, that's great. Most comprehensive plans will say, you need a workforce development center, but and probably stop there. What we do is take that, we build out a full-scale operational budget for the workforce development center. We determine what kind of structure it needs to have from a programming standpoint. We figure out physically where it's gonna go. We determine how much money it's gonna cost on the capital side to build it, whether it's building new or renovating an older building. Uh, we help them then figure out where those dollars are gonna come from at a local and federal level, both public and private. But then the largest typical concern is who? Who in the community is actually gonna own and operate this entity? And so we want to find somebody local. We don't always succeed at that. Sometimes we have to look elsewhere. But most of the time, there is somebody local who wants to do it. And almost always, it tends to be the loudest person in the room whose idea was in the first place, who often says, hey, we should have X. By the way, I have no interest in running X. Uh, they tend to be the people that end up running. That's, that's awesome. I, I love that kind of uh, ground up approach and really um, you know, in, involving the community uh, in finding those leaders to kind of run that as well. That's that's the approach we take as well at the Center for Community and Economic Development. So uh, obviously a big fan of that. Now, I'd also love to hear more about uh, Alquist 3D. Um, so I, I worked in a makerspace and innovation hub when I was uh, in grad school. Uh, so I saw a lot of people using 3D printers. Uh, I don't know how to do it myself, uh, but I'd love to hear about how um, that technology has been scaled up to uh, build a house uh, and, and the advantages of using uh, 3D printing technologies to, to uh, solve the housing crisis. So it's uh, if you've seen the small <clears throat> desktop printers that I'm assuming you're talking about, uh, the process works very similarly on when it scales up to build a house. Um, so there's three major components. You've got the technician who is running the actual printer who, and first of all, let me back up. The printer itself prints on site. So it's a giant gantry style robot. And there's really nothing different than uh, a normal stick built home and a 3D printed home, other than our walls are made of concrete instead of wood. We still need the plumbers, the electricians, the HVAC folks, the roofers, it's still built the same traditional way. 
we have a cost savings on time, labor, and material versus a stick-built home. But the way that it works is the giant robot comes onto the site, uh, you lay your foundation and footings, it sits right on top of that, and then you mix all the concrete on site. So you've got a pump system and a silo on site as well. So the technician has a design of the home that they've already created, that it's a G file that talks to the robot. The technician runs the robot kind of like a joystick, uh, is in charge of how fast you're extruding or not for the concrete. Then you've got a materials director that's over at the pump system that's monitoring your, the raw product, the raw concrete that's coming through the silo into the mix, into the pump. That's where it's hit with water. And the material director has to determine what consistency of water to uh, raw material ratio that we need based on the weather and based on what we're trying to build. So that changes constantly. That's then pumped through a giant hose into the print head and it gets printed out like a layer cake again and again and again until you have your wall systems. So it's, it's not that complicated, even though it looks complicated, uh, but it is challenging to, uh, to get it up and running. And, and how long does it typically take to, to get to that, uh, the, I guess the top level of the house? So typically uh, a 1500 square foot uh, home for the exterior walls takes anywhere from 20 to 30 hours to print wow. it out. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and if, if you guys haven't seen it, I, I'd encourage you to look at uh, Alquist's website and they have a, the picture of that Habitat home and it looks amazing. So you guys are doing incredible work there. Thanks. Um, and my last question, this is a choose your own adventure question. Uh, so you can either, either talk about what uh, one project that you are most proud of that you've worked on in your career uh, or one project that you're working on now that you're most excited about for the future? Uh, that's a good question. Um, and Choose Your Own Adventure were definitely my favorite books growing up. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk about one that's coming up that we're really excited about. Every, <clears throat> excuse me, every home that we print and sell comes with your own personal 3D printer, like the ones you've seen, uh, that's built into your, into your kitchen like a microwave. And we're doing this one to help stand up the industry so people learn more about this, that if you learn how to run one of these printers, you can probably run a big concrete printer. Uh, but we also believe this is the future of home repair and, and renovation, where if anything ever breaks in the home or you wanna switch something out for a different look, you're not gonna to go to Home Depot anymore. If you want a new sink faucet, as an example, you're gonna go online, you're gonna choose a file, you're gonna download it, and you're gonna print it out yourself. And this is what we think the future is going to look like in the next five to 10 years. We're trying to get ahead of that now. We want to, we're starting with small things like doorknobs and drawer pulls and trim on the walls and things like that. But eventually the goal is to 3D print everything inside a home. And that's, that means we also have to couple with this a workforce development program, which we're working to stand up right now. And we have to look into different types of materials. We can be printing in glass. We can print in metal. We can print in rubber. We can print, obviously, in concrete and polymers. So we're looking into all those fields right now. And then finally, I'd say that concrete's great, but it's far from the most environmentally friendly material. So we're looking heavily into how do we create this material using uh, recycled glass or plastic, using hemp to make a hempcrete, and other products to make this greener, to not only be carbon neutral, but ideally to get to carbon negative. That's, that's so exciting. And that, that's such a, a unique use of the 3D printers. I'm really excited about that project and the future you guys are creating. Um, uh, so Zachary, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the podcast today. Uh, we appreciate the work that you're doing across the country. I know you visited Arkansas in the past and you're always welcome back. Um, and, and yeah, thank you for being on the podcast today. 
You bet. Uh, happy to be there. Uh, I'm happy uh, to be with you. And I am a certified Arkansas traveler. You can see it right there. Yeah, there um, you go. So yeah. I love the state. Uh, looking forward to coming back. And thanks for your time. Awesome. On upcoming episodes of the CDI podcast, we'll feature CDI graduates and participants, community partners, and community and economic development experts from across Arkansas and the Mid-South. We hope you join us next week on the CDI podcast.